Welcome to the Wysetta Free Conversations podcast. This episode, lead pastor Kevin Meyer sits down with former kids pastor Dorothy Hansen to talk about how to handle grief and loss, especially during the holidays. Well, welcome to Conversations, Dorothy Hansen. I'm really excited to have you here and to take this time to talk about real life. And especially as we come to the holidays, there's all kinds of things that people experience in the holidays, a lot of stress. You have family coming into town, you have gifts and things like that you're trying to buy, parties to go to. But one of the most difficult things, I think, for people when it comes to handling the holidays is handling loss or grief. And that may be a certain subset of people who have experienced it in the last year or maybe the last year and a half or so. And they come up against holidays and it hits them in ways that they weren't even ready for. So what I wanted to do is talk about that. But before I do that, Dorothy, would you just tell us a little bit about who you are? Okay. So I grew up in South Jersey, kind of near Philly in a small rural town. And it was originally a Methodist camp meeting town. I was the middle kid of five. My dad was a milkman. My mom was a school teacher. I was raised Plymouth Brethren in a sea of Methodists, but I knew that I was acceptable to Jesus through his death. I knew a lot of Bible. That was mm-hmm. another value. And then pure living. I was a very self-conscious kid, not in the mainstream Methodist friends, although we were all friends, but I didn't like go to their events and stuff. Sure. So I stayed near home, but God had other plans. God kept saying, kick me out of the nest. First, he provided that I could go to college and we had no money. Second, I got to go to Africa for two years. Third, I got to go to grad school in the Chicago area. Fourth, I got a writing and editing job in Phoenix. And then fifth, I started working in local churches with kids around the time I got married and started my own family. Wow. So you've had a fun background. Sounds like um, coming from some hardship and maybe feeling a little bit not like in the in-group and then yet being able to move into places where education and other things put you in a place where you've been able to experience some really good things. Yeah, exactly. Along with those good things and finally coming to Minnesota was the best, of course, Ah, Uh, along with the heartaches that occur in life, but in my case occurred about every 10 years. So Okay. Well, let's talk about that because that's what we're really here to have a conversation is, is around the idea of loss and grief in the holidays. Mm -hmm maybe a little bit about your journey. Like I know that you've had loss at different points in your life and you've learned different things to it. So share with us the first time maybe you really experienced it. Okay. My first major loss was my grandmother, Emma. She was very kind to me. So anyway, when she died, I was around 20. And I would say my grieving was fairly light because Mm -hmm. it was the normal thing. She was in her seventies. She had cancer. And so it didn't feel like there's something wrong with the universe. It felt okay. kind of normal. So I had sincere grieving, not long-lived. Yeah, well, I, that reminds me of my own first experience. My grandmother passed away when I was about 16, 17 years of age. And I remember, I think the thing that hit me most was the permanence of the separation. And I remember going to the funeral and open casket and seeing my grandmother there. And there was a part of me, she looked like she was just sleeping. And I wanted just to wake her up internally, but I knew that wasn't the case. And it, for me, started my first experience of actually having someone who I've lost separated from me and experiencing some of those feelings of grief. And because of her age as well, I would say it was light as well. Mm -hmm. So that was your first experience. When was your next one? 
around 30, so that was 20, around 30, my big brother Frank died suddenly. He was 34 and left a wife and four children. As you think about that, so now you have a grandmother who is older, who you expect at some point, mm -hmm. but a big brother who mm -hmm. you expect yeah. to spend years together. How how different in the loss compared to your grandmother? Well, for one thing, I lived near my grandmother. When Frank died, I had lived away from the family for a long time. I would call my grieving in this case protracted because uh, since I had lived away, Frank was never part of my day-to-day -day life. And so I went back for his funeral. We were all in shock. But afterward, I returned to my life in the Chicago area and in a few weeks kind of got on with things. What do you mean by protracted then? I mean, if what light? Okay. Protracted meaning it was extended? Exactly. Because what happened was, and of course, you're not prepared for this because I'd never mm -hmm. gone through anything like this. The gut punch was when I went back home to celebrate Christmas. And the tradition was that on Christmas Eve, we always met at Frank's house for potluck dinner and opening presents. And where was Frank? Personality was huge. And he was the best evangelizer in the family. And his widow and kids were so sad. Why did God take him? And then when I went back another year, Frank wasn't there. And his family, of course, was grieving day to day. It hit me like an ocean wave when I would go back for like summer or Christmas or something like that because Frank wasn't there. So that's so why I got retracted. It was over several, uh, maybe two or three years. Okay. So it wasn't so much hitting you in a pulsating way, like where you're away from him, but it was mostly when you came back into that area. Into that setting. Yep. In the setting, that's when you really felt the, the pain. I would imagine there's some people who would really relate to that kind of like almost maybe you feel guilty when in a sense that I'm able to live my life and go on and mm -hmm. I don't think as much about it. But then all of a sudden, when you come back to an occasion that has a strong memory of that person, whether oh, big time. Yep. physically present in that place or a holiday or event, it pulsated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's kind of how it went. Yeah. And I wasn't prepared for that. One thing that helped me, quote, get over the loss of Frank was the family was our family is kind of infected with the silly gene and we just love to laugh and be silly. And so I would find myself with a family. We'd be sad one minute and then we could tell a joke or something funny would happen. Sure. One of the kids would do something funny or something. That was healthy, I thought. And it yeah. was the first time I ever thought about it. you can still have some joy or a little bit of fun, even if you're very sad. Not at first, you know, you're too broken. No. A later death, my husband, it took my kids and me two years to be able to make a joke well, about his cooking. Let's and get, so, it, let's get into topic. that. Let's yeah. get into that in a moment because okay. we'll get into the next one you experienced. But right. I do want to comment on, on, on what you have said. I think it's really, really important. I will often say, depending on the kind of death, if it's a shock and a strategy, mm -hmm. sometimes it's it doesn't have the humor aspect isn't as helpful. It's, mm -hmm. It almost feels disrespectful, but I will say, yeah, exactly. often say with families, like, cause I do, you know, as a pastor of funerals, I'll say, you know, go ahead at the time, you know, when you get together afterwards and you have a reception, it's fine to laugh. It's important. Mm -hmm. in fact, even in the service, sometimes it's yeah. fun to hear fun, funny mm -hmm. stories. It brings mm -hmm. you in laughing and crying are both ways of emotionally healing. Mm -hmm. And I don't think people 
understand that. They almost feel like mm-hmm. it's always somber, but there are some real healing aspects to laughing. So tell mm-hmm. me a little bit about your next experience of loss. So you mm-hmm. moved to your grandmother, which is light. You mm-hmm. moved to your brother, who you say is protracted specifically when you move back into those places where, you know, that mm-hmm. where he was. What's the next one? If it's the next 10 years, what happened in your life? Yeah. In the next 10 years at 40, my husband and I lost our second child Mm. and her, we called her baby Eva and Eva Marie was born shortly before Christmas. Mm -hmm. And the following Monday, she was diagnosed officially with Down syndrome. And then two days before Christmas, she was diagnosed with a huge hole in her heart. Mm. So as we left the medical exam room, we passed her cardiologist in the hallway and without thinking, he said, Merry Christmas. And then we all got real quiet. Like, sure, sure. I think we just found out our daughter has a huge hole in her heart, Sarah. I'm sorry. That happens. So I think that's another thing that's probably helpful to even just talk briefly about is when you are in a grieving process, sometimes I remember in a time of loss, I was in a store and I felt like everyone should know what's happened to me. You know what I mean? Right. But no one else does know. So yeah. like you walk yeah. by someone and they say, Merry Christmas, and you're going, there's nothing Merry. Part of that grieving process is the fact that other people don't know. And sometimes that's difficult and it's difficult to be able to go, okay, this is my experience right now. And to be able to process through that. So it sounds like that you had that. How did you guys... That's a loss that was right during the Christmas time. What happened? Well, the first loss was the loss of the dream child that we had imagined would come to our house. Uh, And it was the following holiday season where we lost her. So I have 11 months later, Eva Marie died following heart surgery, which had been predicted to have a 98% success rate. Bitter irony. And uh, the day, actual day she died was the day before Thanksgiving that year. Thanksgiving afternoon, we were checking out cemeteries. Now we're moving into her second holiday season. So, you know, years from that now, do you still have any ache when it comes to, like, when you come to Thanksgiving, you obviously have to experience Thanksgiving and Christmas a little bit differently mm-hmm. with that. Yeah, well... My daughter just had her first child, my first grandbaby at 79. Mm-hmm. The baby was born on Thanksgiving Day. Oh. And I was thankful that she wasn't born the day before Thanksgiving, because that's the day my baby died. And I was thankful mm-hmm. that my little granddaughter wasn't born on the 23rd of November, because that was the date that my daughter oh. died. So even now, how many years later, I'm still very aware of little Eva's life and death. Yeah, it doesn't just go away. No, it's not so painful or ragged, but it's still a reality that comes into my mind now and then. Yeah. So, Dorothy, when you call the loss of your grandmother, and I like the way you've kind of labeled that as light, I I think people can understand that. Very real. You talk about your brother and the loss of your brother being protracted, something that was kind of, you had those pulsating experiences. How would you label this with the loss of a child? I would call our grieving for Eva Marie mixed or conflicted. We had a hard time accepting our little one. And a psychologist friend stopped by the hospital and said, give yourself time to get used to this little girl. You didn't invite her to your family. As Mm -hmm. I was saying earlier, you expected someone else. So God kindly gave us 50 weeks to get used to our precious little girl. 
On the other hand, we wondered what it would be like to raise a child with Down syndrome. We were constantly going to doctor and therapy and financial meetings, so it was really stressful. So when she died, there was the painful mix of sorrow, relief, and guilt. Okay. All mixed together. So would you call that conflicted? Yeah, I was feeling guilty and sad and all those things all at the same time. Yeah. So what did you do? What did you find helpful? Like if someone's listening, going, you are saying exactly what I'm feeling. I'm feeling really conflicted about these different emotions and they shouldn't be going together. Mm -hmm. What was helpful? Well, I can only speak from my experience. And Mm -hmm. back in the day, they didn't have grief groups every five minutes. You know, it was just, it was Jesus and me kind of. Uh, Talking with another mom whose baby boy had died, it was different circumstances, but we could share the similar emotions. I thought I hadn't expected even Marie to die. So if I had expected that, I would have had a portrait done of her. My sister-in-law, unbeknownst to me, had some beautiful eight by tens made of Eva Marie and sent them to me. So I chose my favorite and it's still on my bedroom wall to this Really? So getting some of those pictures as a memory were really important. Very nice. And she was a really good photographer. So that was good. Okay. The the scripture song in his time, in his time, God makes all things beautiful in his time. Mm -hmm. It gave me hope that little Eva's life wasn't just random or an accident or even now that I'm thinking about it, useless. Okay. Her life was very meaningful. There's a sense of God's sovereignty that you, that in time, Mm -hmm. which helped maybe resolve some of the the guilt or relief. I mean, even in that sense, like you said, there is a sense of when something is so difficult as that, there is a sense that when, when it's taken away, you get the sense of relief. If you love your husband and he dies after he's had cancer for five years. Yes. It's like, no, I don't have to take him to the doctor anymore. And yet I for sure wouldn't want him to leave i can see where a song or scripture that you know like from ecclesiastes in his time again right. it's a reminder of the sovereignty of god in your situation that was a, a real comfort and i pinned it up over my kitchen sink and mm-hmm. so when i'd be working in the kitchen sometimes sure. i'd look up and see it and i'd start humming it and it would be a comfort it was a comfort sure then my dad officiated at her graveside and he said her work on earth is done I thought, what? She's 50 (laughs) weeks old, dad. What are you talking about? (laughs) But, you know, he had the long view. Glenna, she taught me and my husband a lot, that little life. And she equipped us for future ministry, for working with parents, that kind of thing. Sure. As a kid's pastor, having that experience and understanding Mm -hmm. people who have lost children or stillbirths, other things such as that, I can imagine that would be a helpful thing. And in that sense, that child's work for that purpose was done. A good friend of mine went into special education because she was connected with Eva Marie uh, and kind of honored okay. Eva Marie that sure. way. So that was another life changed in a good way. My husband's faithfulness brought me through. Uh, he was like a solid rock. And some marriages degrade when there's a the death of a child. Right. And he was so strong and faithful. So that was wonderful. Eva Marie's funeral, that was healing mm-hmm. and designing her tombstone. If you go to a certain cemetery in Phoenix, you'll see mm-hmm. a tombstone with Jesus sitting down with a little uh, blonde girl on his lap. Yeah. And she's holding her raggedy Ann doll. Uh, 
So I was able to honor my little girl's memory. Yeah. Yeah. And also our contribution into her life. That yeah. anybody that walks by there knows that, that sure. little girl was loved. Those kind of opportunities to actually put your heart into something is super healing and also so meaningful to others. I know as we kind of are journeying with you, and I'll never understand why God allows people's journeys. They are also different and it doesn't do justice to compare, but you go through, like you said, the loss of your grandmother, the, the loss of your big brother, then the loss of a child. And I even hate to go into the next one, but the next one to me would just be really difficult as well. Sure about the next 10 years of kind of what then happened. Well, yeah, I was in my 50s and my husband died following surgery. The hallmark of my grieving this time was how intense it was. Mm. Just radically intense. Some days I woke up livid with rage at God. Uh-huh. And he, he uh, why did he take Glenn? He had two kids at home. Yeah. He had an effective ministry. He had ministry dreams for the future. You know, what was going on? Right. That's a great question. I, I think that's something. I wouldn't mind just even pressing in a little bit more with you on that, because I think people kind of think as a person who is seeking to follow God and to live a life of service to Jesus and understanding it, really find it difficult when God does something and you also have emotions of anger. (laughs) You're like, why God? What I love about God is he's like a dad who... Like when a little kid becomes angry, he's able to just or get angry or anything like that. He has the ability to kind of help process and and hold your anger. What what was your experience around that? I mean, obviously that had to be. It was a very fitting burial for a Minnesota boy. Glenn mm-hmm. had grown up in Minnesota. I met him in Phoenix. We were both working in Phoenix at the mm-hmm. time, but we moved back here, and so he was buried here. And there were big fat snowflakes falling that day. Mm-hmm. It was a beautiful burial, just gorgeous. And we came home to my house and I had this grand piano and my family, who's musical, all started singing and they started singing It Is Well With My Soul. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting at the dining room table thinking, it is not well with my soul. Don't you sing this on my behalf. You know, it was, <laughs> it was yeah. And so I was glad, I was glad they were joyful. So, 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 I, so you're saying was, it's all right to be out of sync. With other people's emotions trying to make you or help you feel well. Yeah, I had the friend who said, well, at least we know he's in heaven. At some point, that is a very helpful thing to review. But (laughs) when you just took the hit, it's it's like, please don't platitude me. Yeah, you really just want someone to be with you in your pain. This guy was a contract guy here at the church. When I was on staff here after Glenn died, and he was a computer nerd and wore baggy clothes and everything, nice guy, but kept to himself. He walked by me in the hall one day and he said, "It must be hard." And that was like that was like oil to my uh, soul, you know. It was, yeah. it was like he really got it, and he didn't do a victory lap with Jesus, you know. He. No. <laughs> Well, that's really true. I think some yeah. folks wanted to get me out of my sadness and all that kind yeah. of stuff. No. So yeah, I didn't want to, yeah, I didn't want to stay in sadness, but you need a time to be allowed to be sad. Yeah. I think that's a super important principle. This is not just about grieving. There is a sense, even little children 
for me as a parent, I wish I could have done this over, didn't like their emotions that whether anger or sadness, whatever, I always wanted to try and get them to be happy. And I would, instead of saying, you must feel sad or actually into that experience. So that was really frustrating. Yeah. Then don't, you know, trying to not get them to be angry. There's the way God has wired us and in grieving, there's something true about that. Sometimes the best thing you do is say nothing. The next best thing is to really pay attention to how do I affirm what they're experiencing right now? And I think, like you said, walking by and just saying as a witness, it must be hard. Yeah. So simple. Yeah. Eloquent. Yeah. Because in your heart, you're going, yeah, it is. You're not looking for someone to say, hey, he's in heaven. Be happy right now. Yeah. All true. Yeah. Right. right? But not true to what your experience is. So then it can be painful. So here you are. You've lost your husband. Like you said, if you labeled this one, it was intense. You were overwhelmed. Children's pastor. You've got kids at home as a mom. And then you also have all these other responsibilities. I'm sure that Glenn may have had. So tell me how that progressed. What happened from there? Well, one thing I will say is Glenn was a future thinker, as I am not. And Mm -hmm. he had, this is long before this was common. He had all of our financials, everything, insurance, Uh any benefits, any anything. He had them all just on one page on his computer. So I was able to go right to that. It was all done. And so I would recommend that anybody, you know, if you're responsible for children or a spouse or whatever, that you Mm -hmm. might want to make sure you have that in a succinct, whatever. What a gift. Basically, yeah. And it was. It just saved a lot of hours of going through files and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So you said I had many dreams following Glenn's death. Mm. that he was alive, but we were divorced or he had a group. Mm. What's that? About? Yeah. I'm guessing it's maybe tied in a little bit with the anger, but when I thought about it, I saw this pattern of my dreams. First I was freaked out. And then I saw this pattern and my emotions had been processing that Glenn had deserted us. And I have another friend who felt the same way when her husband died. Okay. So that's um, not an unusual thing to feel. No, I don't think so. But when someone dies quickly or something happens, there is a sense of internally you're feeling deserted. Exactly. We process that feeling, not blaming that person, but no. yeah. recognizing that that's yeah. a reality. An interesting thing I realized was that when my brain caught up with what was going on, then my emotions caught up also. Okay. And I stopped having those dreams. Oh, okay. So that was a relief. So tell us some things that maybe helped you in this time when things were so intense. Well, Glenn and I both had busy careers and children and so forth, and I didn't make a big fuss over him. That's one regret I have that I would encourage people make a fuss over your spouse. Mm. Even if they're independent and quite capable, do little things now and then for no reason. But anyway, I had thought to have, he went into the hospital for his surgery right before Thanksgiving. And I had thought to do a Thanksgiving dinner the preceding Monday night. And I even did one of his mom's favorite recipes. Mm-hmm. So he he was very appreciative. So I okay. knew I touched him because he yeah. was a stoic Scandinavian and uh, <laughs> he didn't show a lot of emotion, but that he was very happy. Those uh, happy memories, mm-hmm. uh, my big comfort. My family of origin, none of whom lived in Minnesota, flopped out here and were just so sweet and okay. supportive. Why is that a free church? 100% plus a gold star. Just yeah. uh, the church that keeps on giving. Just... Oh. 
love it, lovely. Uh, the senior pastor then came to the hospital and just sat quietly, which is <laughs> what you had talked about, just being quiet with somebody. Carol Miller, who was on staff, then took my son out for breakfast once a week. He said, I'm not a good kid ministry person, but I'll take Luke out to breakfast. So Luke sure. had a little bright spot to look forward to. Sure. My daughter noticed that the girls in her Wednesday night club were extra tender to her. And then there was a high-powered gal named Jeannie who worked in my ministry. And she had me out to her farm in Watertown once a month. I'd bring out my big box of bills and letters from the attorney and all this stuff. She would help me just whip through that stuff. And she did that for about a year. And then finally, I figured, okay, I got this now. Because Glenn used to manage all that. So that was such a practical help. So designing Glenn's grave marker. What will Mm -hmm. people think when they see his grave marker going into the future? That was a comfort. Mm -hmm. Two supernatural, highly subjective things. One, I started hearing God's voice very tender. You can do it, dear. He didn't have a nasty voice before. But all of a sudden, it became very tender. And uh, Mm -hmm. that was very personal. And then I had three unusual signs. Glenn was a professional musician for several Mm -hmm. years and also was a sound guy. A couple months after he died, I wrote in my journal that I was hoping to know if Glenn was okay. I was getting my son off to high school that morning, and all of a sudden, a Christmas music box that was on the dining room table started to play. Then a couple, I don't know, days later, maybe, I'm in our office doing some, writing some checks or something, and all of a sudden, Glenn's auto set radio came on to the classical station he used to listen to. Nobody had turned them on. Nobody had sure. it never happened before. Since. And then I walked into the living room and the sound speaker was going. Whoosh, whoosh. Nobody had played any music on with that speaker for months. Yeah. So it was three little, very subjective things. They could have been coincidental, but the fact that they were all music and sound related. Sure. That was just that was very intense, very, yeah. uh, very sweet. I hold it loosely because I don't uh, see the saying, get out there and look for signs. But um, no, no, I, I'm, I'm just the opposite of you on those kind of things. I kind of go, you know what? I think God loves us so much that he, I mean, those are not things you were kind of thinking about or trying to do. No, they were all surprised. When it happens, mm-hmm. you want to be a total atheist, you can say, yeah, it's all a coincidence. Or mm-hmm. you can go, boy, if God loves me, he's probably going to come me. In ways that would make sense to me or make sense mm-hmm. to uh, the way I'm wired in that sense. Mm-hmm. And God does that. And I really encourage people to go, that's God just giving you a hug. No. That much. So that's cool. Anything else that you would like? Two to- other things. One, my doctor cried all through my general physical. Yeah. And she said, Dorothy, I want to give you some antidepressants. You mm-hmm. have such a big load on your shoulders mm-hmm. and you have to be able to cope day to day. So I dutifully took them, and I know some people have mixed feelings about them, but I felt, I mean, she just volunteered it, and I trusted her. I'd worked with her for years, and that helped me even out. Yeah. So I didn't feel those hideous lows. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I didn't feel any super high highs. Sure. Because the the, uh, antidepressants kind of mellow you out. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all good, though. And then when I retired from church, I was able to then change that. I really kind of obscure scripture where Jesus, the end of John, Gospel of John, Jesus predicts Peter's death. Peter, I think, had ADD, and he didn't say, 
wow, God, or Jesus, don't tell me that, or wow, what an honor to die like you. Instead, he says, what about this guy back here? And he meant, yeah. well, I think in Glenn's death, it put a huge cannon shot through our hearts, but it was a deal between God and Glenn. Mm-hmm. I mean, it had huge ripples, but I got some kind of odd comfort from the idea that it really was a transaction between God and Glenn. Sure. And Glenn did belong to God. Yeah. So. Wow. It's quite a journey. We said we'd talk about loss and we're kind of come to the end of the time. I know there's other concepts that are helpful. I'll, you've kind of shared some of these. I'll share one. Why don't you share? These are concepts I think people need to hear. So we'll kind of end on this. The grieving is a sloppy process, right? There's no textbook for how anyone's to do it. And it's unexpected. Comes yes. weird ways. Yeah. yeah. So it's sloppy. We grieve differently. You what what are some other just concepts as we kind of close this out? Anything else? It's okay to have bad days. Yeah. I mean, if you stay in your pajamas for two months, maybe you need to talk to somebody. <laughs> Sorry. But you know, you need to have a bad day now and then. Yeah. And my sister, I watched her grieve the loss of her 39-year-old daughter. And yeah. Priscilla is a just a ball of fire. And she walked around in her pajamas one day, teary. I yeah. thought she needed that. If someone offers help, write it down, put it in your phone, however you record things, because they mean it. And I had a woman I hardly knew say, I can drive you. And Mm -hmm. I needed a ride to the airport for for me and Mm -hmm. my kids to go to spring break. And she drove us there. I think I saw her once or twice again in my life. But she was just there. So take those offers seriously because they can really help. The scripture, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. But that's for all of us and all of us with a hope with Jesus. And finally, it's okay to cry and it's okay to laugh. Yeah, yeah. What we talked about before. Well, here's the great truth of that scripture. When he says he wipes away every tear from her eyes, we will cry in this time, in this life. We will experience pain. There are people who are coming into this holidays who are going to experience some deep times of grief. And yet there is this truth that there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. At some point, God's going to change all that. But the reality is, when you're in it, it's important to recognize there's no perfect way through it, but there is a perfect God who loves us, who wants to be with us and is in our pain. Sometimes when you find even that silence, it's because he's with you. So Dorothy, thank you so much for sharing your story in your life. And I do pray that as people listen to this, they will be encouraged as they process their own life or maybe help someone else and and give this conversation to someone else to listen to so they kind of get a better understanding of what it means to to let go and to experience loss thank you my privilege and i hope it can be helpful as well you've been listening to the wyzetta free conversations podcast for more information about wyzetta free church please check out wyzettafree.org or download our app available on the app store or on google play